It is Monday, May 30th. Hello, hello. It's Todd. Bit of a different episode today. It is a stat holiday in the U.S., Memorial Day. And while this podcast is based in Canada, when there's a stat in the U.S., the news slows way down. All the PR people are on holidays, so no news releases come out, no product announcements. The tech reporters don't have anything to report on and so on. Rest assured, we'll catch up tomorrow on anything that leaked through today. But for today, a full-length show devoted to a single topic, local SEO. By the way, this is an example of the weekend editions that you are missing out on because you're not a premium podcast subscriber. A couple of times a month, we do these deep dive interviews with genuine experts. And by that, I mean not people trying to sell you a course or a mastermind. And by that, I mean not the people you hear all the time on all the other podcasts. Much of these weekend editions, by the way, we are interviewing marketing scientists on their new research and how it impacts the campaigns that you and I do every day. For instance, in a couple of weeks, I'm speaking with a researcher who's developed a way for you to determine what brands would make good marketing partners for your brand based on the alignment of your respective social media followings. Sometimes we do deep dives with the platforms. This coming weekend, for instance, you'll hear my in-depth interview with a senior Twitter ad engineer, and we walk through each and every ad placement that Twitter sells, how much they cost, how they're priced, and so on. All of this is on the premium podcast feed, which you can get to by tapping the link in the show notes or going to todayindigital.com slash premium feed. That feed also has the daily shows, but with no ads, sometimes more stories than the feed you're listening to right now. There are links to every story in the show notes. There are audio chapters, which let you jump to specific stories with a single tap. There's a private Slack channel. Even the audio quality is better. So again, the premium podcast feed, look for the link in the show notes or go to todayindigital.com slash premium feed. And with that, here is today's special episode. Well, when people first get into digital marketing and they hear SEO, they think, okay, got it. People search Google. I want our company up top. What people often don't realize, at least not at first, is that there are multiple SEO practices because there are multiple Google indexes. There's video SEO for YouTube, image SEO for their shopping site, shopping SEO, and local SEO for maps and Google business profiles. And as you can imagine, there are lots of practitioners in the local SEO space, but few are as good as the Sterling Sky Agency in Toronto, which focuses on just that corner of the Google world. Their website is sterlingsky.ca. Joy Hawkins is the owner of Sterling Sky. She has been working in the industry since 2006 and writes for publications like Search Engine Land. She speaks at all the leading marketing conferences you've heard of, like MozCon, LocalU, PubCon, and the State of Search. Joy has been kind enough to carve some of her day out to join me. Joy, welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Can we start with a quick overview of local search? I mentioned maps and business profiles, but when you work with companies, what exactly are you doing for them? That's a good question, because I feel like that actually is something that people get uh, wrong a lot. So when I say local search, I'm not just referring to Google Maps. That is definitely a part of it, but it would be getting essentially any local business ranked on Google. Um, and I, I would define it as basically SEO for any business where their customers are local. So, you know, if you only get customers from a certain geographic area, you know, let's say 15 miles away from wherever you're located, you would want local SEO. So even the like traditional organic results for Google are different when you're dealing with local businesses. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that you don't get the same thing when you search on Google for plumber 
if you're located in Chicago as, you know, if you did the same search on Google located in Seattle. So that's kind of like what we mean when we say local search. So you're optimizing then for things like location and relevancy sort of at a level above the standard Google SEO best practices. Right. So like, for example, you know, 10 years ago, I, I may have the years wrong, but about a decade ago, it didn't used to matter. Like if you searched, um, you know, just like a simple phrase like auto insurance, you would get the same exact results. Like you would get Geico and, and State Farm and Progressive and stuff. And now when you do those searches, you don't necessarily get these like giant sites. You get small local businesses that are local to your area. Um, so Google has been really, um, really evolving how they figure out if the person is actually looking for something local for them. So you'll see even things like shoes or Nintendo Switch or like searches like that actually return local businesses now as well because Google realizes, oh, okay, like when you're buying a Nintendo Switch, you're probably going to go to your local store and buy one. Is it is it quite competitive? Like that feels like it's quite new and um, how do I say this nicely? Exploitable. You know, if, if other if if my competitors aren't catching up to that yet and they don't realize that that optimizing for local search is a thing, um, then it seems like that would be an opportunity for me to kind of dive deep into it. Am I right there? Is it is it new enough that this there's a window of opportunity? It really varies based on the industry. So some industries, yes. Like I would say home services are definitely very behind on this. Like the average plumber and HVAC company, they're not doing a great job at local SEO. So it's really awesome working for businesses like that. You can get really, really good results faster because there's not as much competition. But if you're talking like lawyers, for example, they've all been onto this for a very long time and it's super competitive. So it, it definitely varies quite a bit depending on what type of business you're looking at. I want to ask you uh, in a moment about, about sort of uh, local spam that is out there, um, <laughs> what you see working well in SEO, what's not working and so on. But can we talk a bit about, because you know, one of the, <clears throat> I guess the good things about Google and also a bit of its frustration is that they are always adding new features to their platform. Can you walk us through some of the more recent additions that Google has released that small businesses in particular should be aware of? Yeah. So one thing I'll say about Google features, the, the whopping majority of features that Google adds inside, we call it Google My Business, but they just renamed it. So the, the Google Business Profile is what they call it now. They're the same thing. So use whatever term you want. Um, but inside your listing on Google. So just in case, again, to make sure everybody knows what I'm talking about here, if you if you do a Google search for your name and your, your city, uh, your business name and city, you'll usually come up with a listing and it has all kinds of stuff on it, like reviews and an address and phone number and things like that. So that listing, Google has uh, given business owners the ability to manage that. You claim it um, through a, usually a, a postcard that you get in the mail. And then once you claim it, there are all these features that they allow you to use that will kind of enhance or enrich your profile. Um, thing to kind of keep in mind is most of these do not actually impact where your business ranks. So they're helpful because if your customers oh. are searching for you, you want to make sure you have all the information filled out, like when you're open. <laughs> it's a really simple one. People yes. don't put their hours in. Like even over holidays, you see this all the time. Like it says they're open. They're not open. Like, all the time. It's frustrating. <laughs> so like simple things like that um, can really be frustrating to customers. So it, it's mainly there for that. Like the purpose of these features is so that Google can give the right information to your customers how you rank is like a whole nother thing, but it most of the features inside GMB are um, aesthetic, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and and they're so, adding things like like um, attribution labels that you can put if you're LGBT yeah. friendly and things like that. 
Yes. And like they've done, so it's kind of interesting the timing wise. It's with a lot of the movements, right? So they, um, I think it was a year ago, they added um, black owned like as an attribute, um, but that was in the US only. So if you're not in the US, you can't oh. use that attribute. So oh, I know it's kind of crappy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, again, it was kind of a response, right? To everything going on in the States at the time. So yeah, they yeah. do tend to kind of pick and choose what they're, um, what they're coming out with based on, you know, what the society is doing and stuff. Um, and yeah, I've they also have a lot of like transgender stuff. Yeah. And I've also found that the, that the, the attributes and or labels um, are also specific to the business category that you're in. Yes. Yeah. So some of them are uniform, like women led, I think is like every business category. You can have that as a um, attribute um, and veteran led and, and things like that. But there are some that are specific um, to certain categories. So, you know, whether or not you have COVID testing available, that's only available to certain categories, certain business types that would actually have, you know, the likeliness of like pharmacies that would have COVID testing done. Yeah. So it's a new quarter, a new year. What things should the owner of a small or medium-sized business be focusing on first in 2022? Yeah, I mean, reviews is always the top of the list, I think, for um, what business owners should do. Um, You know, when it comes to optimizing your website and getting ranked on Google, some business owners do that and they do it well. It is, it's, it's hard. Like all I can say is that from working in this industry for over a decade, it is not an easy thing to do for like a salon, you know, to like yes. know how to cut somebody's hair and make them look pretty. is a totally different thing than knowing how to get a website ranked on Google. Um, so as far as like what the business owner themselves should really focus on reviews is something that every business um, should be able to manage themselves and keep track of and ask people to review you. Um, and kind of understanding how Google treats reviews is also kind of helpful. So I think there's a big gap there where a lot of people are like, how is Google okay with this negative review? And people don't really understand Google's policy on that. Like they're big on freedom of speech, right? So Google like is completely fine with these mean spirited, (laughs) rude reviews that businesses get, but they are not okay with ones that are like political or racist or Mm. like things like that. So there are, there is a hard line. Um, so we saw like last uh, couple of years, a big movement that Google made was they decided that any reviews re- referencing mask policies, those are political in nature and Google will remove them if you report them. So there were oh, some pretty big chains in the US that got a huge amount of reviews removed because people on both sides, depending on what side you're on, some people are really, really upset about the mask policy. Some people really liked the mask policy. And there's like all these reviews about masks that have nothing to do with the actual store experience. Do rankings factor into the search engine results? Like if I have bad reviews or increasing bad reviews, am I being pushed lower in Google? That is a really good question. So what I have found is that reviews themselves, I don't believe, and this is like, honestly, just for my findings, because you're going to get different answers depending on who you ask about this. But what I've seen is that reviews of that of in and of themselves are not a ranking factor. It's how they influence people clicking on your listing. So Click-through rate is a rank fact, ranking factor. Like people clicking on you, people finding you, your popularity, that all factors in. So if you are competing and you have five reviews and your competitor has 100, people are not as likely to click on you. So that is going to hurt your click-through rate, which over time would hurt your ranking, if that makes sense. So, so in it's a an sense, indirect yes. effect. Yeah, because like, honestly, the, the average rating, all that stuff, there have been a, a huge amount of studies done on it that show that like customers really do put a lot of 
faith in those, which is kind of sad, but mm-hmm. <laughs> they do mm-hmm. trust them, right? Even though they're written by complete strangers. So your average rating, the number of reviews you have, all that stuff, that, that is a really big deciding factor on like if somebody clicks on you or calls you. It's funny, too, because I, I you know, we, we all buy at, at some point from Amazon and hopefully we all look at the reviews. And I have learned over time oh. that the reviews are nonsense. Like I've I've bought stuff that is highly reviewed by everyone and it's a terrible piece of crap. And then I've taken a chance on something that people were saying, oh, this breaks everything. And it's worked out great for me. I think that un- unfortunately, smart consumers know to look at the negative reviews. So I, I do this all the time with Amazon. I'll see like 12 glowing positive reviews, but then I'll keep scrolling until I find a negative one and I'll read those because that kind of tells me, you know, are these reviews bought and paid for? Because unfortunately, uh, there's, there was a study just released. I think it was um, Moment Feed or Uber all released a study that basically looked at fake reviews and Google was number one on the list, like yeah. for having the most fake reviews. So it sucks. But as a consumer, if you see, you know, a business with all glowing five star reviews, I mean, that's a a bit of a red flag, depending on the industry, too, right? Like, there are certain industries, we see this more in than others. But um, yeah, it's it's frustrating. It's a hard, a very hard thing for Google to combat. They have done a terrible job at it. So I was interested in watching Google's, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Amazon's response to that, because when that study came out, their response wasn't to say, uh, well, we're going to fix up our, our review systems. <laughs> their response was to throw social platforms under the bus. If you remember this, like mm-hmm. they, their response was, well, actually, the problem isn't really us. The problem is that people are gathering on Facebook groups. <laughs> and they're sharing these negative reviews. And I thought that was a bit peculiar. Okay, so reviews people should focus on. Are there any strategies that businesses should be paying less attention to this year than they may have in previous years? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, hmm. So one thing that has changed, and I don't really think this is something you'd pay less attention to per se, but just something to be aware of. But um, there was a big algorithm update in end of November, beginning of December. So I think it was like, about a week that it took to roll out. And the big kind of core takeaway from this update, it changed the map pack results. So, you know, when you do a search for Google, you see three results beside a map. We call those the local map results. Um, That's what I'm talking about here. There's a huge change to the algorithm that determines who shows up there. And what it basically did is it made it so that a business will not rank as far away from their office as they were ranking before. So we saw a lot of businesses, for example, let's say Toronto, huge area, massive city. If you were doing a really good job at SEO, you could actually rank throughout the entire city. Like it was possible in some industries. So we saw businesses that were managing to achieve that with really, really, really good SEO, see a huge shrinkage in how far away they rank. So it kind of comes down to one of those things where like, well, what do we suggest? Do they have to open up more offices now? Like that, that's the question <laughs> that we're kind of asking, um, which is probably what a lot of them are going to do. But knowing that like a single location will only stretch so far and that Google is really trying to hyper-localize the results. Um, my, my biggest takeaways were like, yes, like knowing that is important, knowing that your one, your one office is not going to reach you know, everybody in your geographic area when it comes to Google Maps, like that needs to be something people get. And then knowing that also like, you know, getting more organic traffic, making sure you get traffic from other keywords that don't show local pack results, things like that have to be a part of your strategy or you're, you're really going to have suffered from that update. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Has Google, Google cleaned up the spam problem they had with local SEO and, and what I mean is you know if you lived in Edmonton for instance you would you'd go to you'd type in plumbers near me and you'd get returned a whole bunch of clearly fake plumbing websites or, or quote-unquote businesses with names like Edmonton plumbing and plumbers near me like they'd actually put the use the name near me in the title and when you went there it was literally just a lead form like it was just a cheap ass website that someone had slapped up and I guess what they were doing was collecting all of the leads and then turning around and selling them to the actual plumber. So they kind of inserted themselves as a middleman. Does that still exist today? Yeah. So I'm actually working on a big study. It's not released yet, but it's coming out later this year. I'm going to be kind of presenting it at our next local U event all about this topic. The crazy thing is, is like when Google looks at spam, they come out with these reports every year and they say like how many listings they removed and kind of pat themselves on the back. They always say they're doing a good job. Um, and from a holistic, like when you're looking at it, like from Google's perspective, they look at all industries at once. And when you do that, it actually doesn't look so bad. Like, oh, okay. Like a small percentage of listings are fake or spam, <laughs> but when you niche down and you get into certain industries, we have some that I'll be kind of presenting on like, where like 90 plus percent of the listings uh, that we looked at were fake. Wow. So like garage door repair is probably one of the best examples. If you are a garage door repair business and you don't, report spam or look for it, you are going to get crushed by it. Like it is everywhere. They're all lead gen, like you're saying. They're fake names, not real businesses. When you call, you get sent to a call center and yeah. they filter out your information and then sell the lead to somebody. Or or when you call, you get a voicemail that's full. <laughs> yes. But usually you get a call answering service because that's how they make money, right? They have to yeah. sell your information. Um, and I remember once actually like calling a listing as a customer and getting that, like having that happen. And I was like, oh my gosh, this isn't a real business. I'm like literally putting my money towards these lead gen people right now. But there is a whole group of people in local SEO that do this. This is their, this is how they get their clients um, business. They, they create these fake listings and then they give these leads to their customers and they don't tell the businesses where they're getting them from. I don't want to encourage it, but I feel like I have to ask this now. Does it work? Like, is is this a strategy that actual businesses, you know, like, obviously, no one wants to pay off someone who has just inserted themselves as a middleman. But like, are these services so cheap that the numbers actually work for businesses? It does work. Like, I mean, I'd be stupid to say it doesn't. If it didn't work, nobody would be doing it. It wouldn't be a problem that's lasted over a decade if it didn't mm. work. 
Um, so it definitely does work. Whether or not you know, I suggest doing it, I it is not the business practice I would want to do because it's churn and burn, right? You yeah. only have a listing for as long as you can get away with it. Google is ultimately going to try and find you, and then when they do, you need a new one. So it's like it's it's never ending, and you're always having to keep up, you know, one step ahead of Google and their spam tactics because Google does find these patterns and cracks down on them. And then you see like, you know, there's a new pattern, <laughs> um, a new way that they are able to get these listings uh, past Google's radars and fool them. Like it's it's really actually quite interesting to see the levels that people, the, uh, the creativity that people come up with on how yeah. to get these listings created, like smart individuals behind it. Is there anything that you can do if you're a business owner and maybe you are a legitimate garage door opening or repair company? Is there anything that a business who is stuck behind a whole bunch of these fake listings can do other than just report these sites when they come across them? Yeah. So um, definitely, you know, report them. There's a a form that Google created a couple of years ago for this purpose called the business redressal complaint form. So you can report them. It's, it's endless. Like that's the frustrating thing, right? And does it work though? I've reported a bunch of stuff to social platforms and nothing happens. It does. So again, this comes down to keep in mind that, you know, you as a business owner, your understanding of Google's guidelines might not be accurate. So you might see something, assume it's spam and it's not. So that's the other thing with Google's guidelines. They're not very easy to understand sometimes. Um, So it can be very frustrating when you report something that's so clearly fake and you're like, why didn't Google remove this? So it's it's kind of like you have to almost be like a private investigator. You got to like collect all your evidence and then make sure that you share that with Google. Um, And which is frustrating because people are like, well, Google should just do this, but it's, they're, they're a business, right? Like yeah, that, that's yeah. not going to solve your problem at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, like reporting it is good. The other step that you could go beyond that, and this is where I think people kind of like shy away from is, you know, there, there are laws <laughs> against some of this stuff, right? So mm-hmm. there's a company called the Transparency Company that just launched a tool that I've been using. Um, it's a Chrome extension, and they scan and tell you if a business has fake reviews or not. And what it's cool for is like, if it's a lead gen listing, 100% of the reviews are fake, guaranteed, because they're not a real business. Yeah. So I've been using that in conjunction to try and like, use that or collect evidence. But if they have fake reviews, that's another thing where there are implications for whoever's behind it. Like there's advertising laws, there's things that they're breaking. I don't know how some of these organizations have gotten away with it for as long as they have, but Google has had lawsuits against some of these businesses over the last few years where they've actually sued businesses for creating fake listings that violate Google's guidelines. Um, so it, they take a while, but there, there have been lawsuits over these types of things. So that's another thing. Like, you know, if you really want to take it a step further, talking to the media, trying to get it out there, reporting to the FTC, things like that, like there are some additional measures you can do on the legal side. Google has told us that they update the algorithm, the code, several times a day, in fact. But the ones that get the attention are what they refer to as the core algorithm updates. These big, huge ones, one, maybe two a year. And when they roll out, they often will kind of impact the search position, the result position um, for businesses. Is there anything that we as a digital marketer can do to keep our sites from getting hit from one of these core algorithm updates? Core updates, I, from my kind of experience with them, I feel like if you continue to see your own, if you're a digital marketer and, and your clients are getting hit negatively by core updates, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> like, I think you need hmm. to reevaluate what tactics you're using. 
Um, because you should be seeing mostly positives. And I realize like you can't control everything the business is doing and, and what they're paying for. But overall, core updates is a good indication of whether or not you're using the right strategies. Um, there are other updates that aren't necessarily that way. Like you could be doing everything right. Like this one that I was talking about that came out in November, it was not a core update. It was an update to the local search algorithm. So we, we named it the vicinity update because it all had to do with like proximity and where the business was. You're not doing anything wrong if you got hurt by that one. That was just Google mm. basically shrinking how far that they were willing to show a business. Like you didn't, you didn't break guidelines. You didn't do anything that Google's penalizing you for just all that reward and benefit that you were getting. They were like, yeah, we're going to give that to this business over here instead because they're closer to the right. person searching. Very interesting. Uh, let's say someone runs marketing for a company and SEO is technically on their plate too, but they can only commit like one, two hours a month to it at the most. What should they do with those one or two hours a month? I would say basic SEO, like on-site stuff, you know, writing title tags, um, making sure you've got internal linking. Like I've literally done audits for businesses that don't have internal links on their site. I'm like, like this is this is like basic SEO 101, but like they don't have internal links. Uh, you go to their homepage, it's just a wall of text and nothing's linking to anything and there's no anchor text. And like that stuff moves the needle, not just in the local pack results, but also organic. So like literally go to Moz, look up like SEO 101 and like that stuff is hundred percent where I would spend your time if you only had an hour or two. So it's, so it's, it's taking existing content and improving the, the on-page stuff, the title tags and the, 100%. you know, meta content and so on. Yeah. That All still right. moves the needle more than any other thing. Like, I mean, link building absolutely, but I don't think you're going to have much of a link building strategy with two hours a month. Um, so that, that might be difficult. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What is coming from Google this year that you're most excited about? Well, you know, I don't have a crystal ball. So like, I don't know where they're headed. Um, I know that there are, you know, with this, with this algorithm update and stuff, there are a lot of businesses that are trying to like rethink strategies. Um, so I'm hoping that at some point Google will fix the problem that they've always had for service area businesses. Um, but who knows, right? So the, the issue is like, if you're a plumber um, and you service an area that you don't live in, you rank where you live, you don't rank where you service. And that has always been like a really big pain point for a lot of service area businesses. Mm. Um, so that's something that Google's never solved. It'd be great if they solved it, but I'm not really holding my breath. Um, I would assume that they would continue to make certain like attributes and things more easy, more accessible. I think they're revamping some of the reports like visually inside the Google My Business dashboard. So, you know, looking at that, seeing how many calls you get, they're trying to make all that stuff easier for businesses to find. Um, so I would expect like continued improvements in those areas, like the metrics and stuff. Are you generally optimistic about the state of local SEO for the next year? Yes. I mean, I love, so it's, it's becoming more challenging. I, I, I like that. So I might be weird. I don't know if everybody likes that. Some people, you know, grumble and like, they're like, oh, it's frustrating because now I have to like rethink all these strategies and stuff. But I like that it's challenging. Um, I feel like it's, uh, it makes it harder for anybody to just do. Yeah. Um, so I'm up for the challenge, but I'm also like super competitive. So it's my like personality type, but, um, I would say it's definitely getting harder, harder to, harder to scale. I hate the word scale. Like we don't use it at my agency cause I don't think it really applies to like consulting type of work, but you know, having a tactic where you can just easily spin it out for like a hundred different business types and get these like awesome results, that type of thing. 
really, really tough to do in local search. So Sterling Sky, your agency, I mentioned it at the top as being one of the top resources. It it really, really is. I've, I've always, your blog is a wealth of information. Um, can we talk a bit about what you do? Like, let's start with what kind of company is your best type of client? You know, like your ideal client, mm-hmm. the, 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 the kind of client where you can provide the most amount of value. What does that company look like? Yeah. Well, one of my favorites are law. I have a lawn care client that like, I just, I love working with them because they are so much better than any other competitors. Like with everything, their service is better. Their um, like their customer service, what they actually do for your lawn is better. Like, so it's good to work with companies like that where they actually do good work. <laughs> it's harder to work with shady companies where you're like <laughs> trying to combat their horrible reputation. We've had a few of those. So I love home services because I feel like the majority of them aren't really invested in SEO. So it's great for the ones that are, um, we're able to make a dent and, uh, real estate agents is another one. So real estate market's been like booming. So, uh, real estate agents are by default, pretty bad at SEO. Like most that I talk to, they're not even targeting the right keywords, like Hmm. things they're going after are not the things that convert. Um, so we have a lot of those and the lawyers are another one that have always been like heavily invested in SEO. They understand the value of it and it's a super, super competitive space, but it's also uh, really good and lucrative if you can, you know, rank well as a lawyer, it's, it's, it translates to a lot of revenue. And do you, do people hire you, you come in, you do a whole bunch of work and you leave, or are you the kind of system where you set up a retainer and you work with them month over month? Definitely retainer. Like, because the problem with SEO is it's not like a set it and forget it type of thing, right? So that that strategy almost never works because if your competitors are constantly improving, they're adding content, they're um, getting new backlinks, things like that, and you're just stagnant, over time, you're going to have a tough time keeping and maintaining what you've got. Um, so I, I strongly believe that SEO is not like a, a one-time cost. It's something where as long as you are making money from it. So like, that's a key, you know, you need to be able to justify the marketing expense there. You should be getting more leads and more business because of SEO than you were getting before you invested in it. And that's, that's huge. Like my agency's big on like, we want to track lead numbers. I don't care about rankings. I want to see like our lead numbers going up, um, you know, year over year, month over month, that kind of thing. Um, and as long as that's true, then it's worthwhile to continue to invest in it. Um, so that would be my answer to that. Joy Hawkins is the owner of the Sterling Sky Agency. You can learn more about them at sterlingsky.ca. And Joy's Twitter account itself is its own wealth of information. Follow her at Joy Ann. That's Ann with an E, Hawkins. Joy, thank you so much for uh, spending some time and being with us and explaining this crazy and complicated world. (laughs) Yeah, no problem. Always a pleasure. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com.
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.